Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. My name is Claire Lehman and I am Editor-in-Chief of Quillette. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. Our podcast is a team effort and is jointly hosted by myself, Associate Editor Toby Young and Canadian Editor Jonathan Kay. You can support our podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Quillette and becoming a monthly patron. By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter. Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay, Quillette's Canadian editor. As any web user knows, Google has long held a dominant position in online search, video, chat, and other digital services. This dominance has, in turn, aroused fears that the California-based tech giant and its parent company, Alphabet Inc., would use their online power to block or demonetize conservative users. And there have been worrying indications that this, in fact, has been happening, especially on YouTube, a Google subsidiary. In 2017, moreover, attention was drawn to Google's internal corporate culture, when engineer James Damore was fired after circulating a memo about men and women that, though politically incorrect, was shown to be largely accurate. Earlier this year, a Google engineer named Mike Wacker went public with his own concerns about the company's internal culture. In a May 21 blog post titled, Google's Outrage Mobs and Witch Hunts, he described an aggressively progressive internal political culture, which stigmatized mainstream conservative groups as hateful. By way of example, he described a co-worker who was informed in writing that, quote, you appear to be promoting and defending Jordan Peterson's comments about transgender pronouns, and this made others feel unsafe at work, end quote. Mike Wacker felt especially vulnerable to complaints because he administered an email group within Google called the Republicans at Mailing List. At one point, a disciplinary action was launched against him because he made caustic comments about the Women's March that colleagues found, quote, hateful slash incendiary slash inflammatory, end quote. In May, he was put on paid administrative leave after going public with his concerns about Google's political culture. And two days after that, he was fired. This week, Mike Wacker joined me by phone to discuss these events and his experiences at Google more broadly. Here are excerpts from that conversation. I was just a normal software engineer working on engineering productivity. People would throw projects at you, uh, fix this, streamline that, uh, update this code, that sort of thing? That sort of thing, exactly. I worked in engineering productivity in particular. So a lot of my projects and tools were kind of focused on helping make our engineers more productive so they can ship features faster and write code faster. And you managed a mailing list. Was that within Google, like on their internal system, just for Google employees? Yeah, it was just within Google, a mailing list for Republicans inside the company. I've heard reports that it's a pretty monolithic left-wing culture there, uh, but maybe that's not true. Were there a lot of Republicans when you worked there? There weren't a lot from what I could tell. In terms of the mailing list itself, it had grouped to over 270-plus members, but not all of them were necessarily Republican. Some of them were just kind of people who were looking to learn more about Republicans and conservatives. You also had people who were kind of tired of the echo chamber, and so they want to get some diversity of political thought. And then I would say we would tend to pull in some political refugees as well. Like I feel like anyone who's a big fan of the intellectual dark web 
they would tend to gravitate over to the Republicans mailing list as well. And what was the name of this mailing list? Uh, it's just Republicans at Google. Sometimes it was just general political discussion. And there was also kind of some discussions about some of the decisions the company was making and yeah, whether it was creating a company that would kind of build products for all our users or just, just the users whose beliefs agree with the majority of employees within the company. Tell me a little bit about the history of when you started up at Google. I joined in May of 2014. I don't think the tech industry was ever friendly to Republicans or libertarians, but it didn't seem to be as bad as it was like when I first joined in 2014 compared to what it is like right now. When you interviewed for Google, they didn't ask you questions about your politics, right? Now there's kind of the potential that like kind of your political viewpoints or namely your viewpoints on social issues could kind of come up during these interviews. But back when I did in 2014, it was just five coding interviews. So they were just looking for your actual technical coding skills? Yeah. You have left Google. Did this have to do with the ideological climate there? Uh, yeah, they fired me. So it's going to start with this final written warning I received back in March. And the thing that shocked me about so much was that the political bias was so blatant and so obvious. Like the number one rule of how to get away with discrimination is do not mention the thing you're discriminated against. And that's exactly the rule they broke. For some context here, there's this major conservative political conference. It's called uh, CPAC. And it's one of the biggest conferences for conservatives in the United States. And Google had been a sponsor of it back in 2018. And of course, that provoked a big outrage mob. The petition against it was literally titled Google don't sponsor hate. The activists who were promoting this petition, they were always citing Google's values. And this is me kind of criticizing them. It's like, we're supposed to be a nonpartisan company. So they were saying that your critique was itself inflammatory. Let me read one of the bullet points to you. Your statement was perceived as hateful, incendiary, and inflammatory. That was the complaint. The key word they use is perceived. It's like they've Abandon any notion of enforcing any sort of objective standards. The, the question is not should be like, is this objectively hateful? Is this objectively incendiary? Is this objectively inflammatory? Well, now the standard they're holding me is that certain people, based on their subjective perception, thought they were hateful, incendiary, and inflammatory, and you're getting in trouble for that. They gave me this final written warning, and they also offered me eight weeks of severance if I left voluntarily. And I kind of knew what that actually meant. That basically means take this eight weeks of severance. And if you don't, within the next week or so, we're going to find some justification to fire you. And we've already given you this final written warning. So next time we call you and we can fire you this time. Was there part of you that said, you know what, I better stop talking about politics because I'm going to get fired? I think that's what they kind of wanted me to do is stop talking about this. And we kind of actually need to hear more from Republicans and conservatives within the company, because if Google is just this echo chamber internally, then how can it make decisions that are right for all of its users, not just users who have the same political beliefs as Google's employees? The problem is anyone who steps down and expresses their view, there's always the fear that this could hurt their career, or that they could get in trouble with HR. You told me that you noticed a change between 2014 and 2019. Could you describe when and how you observed that change? And I think it was sort of a gradual change that kind of happened slowly over and over time. The company just kept moving more and more to the left. I would say there probably was kind of a bigger change back when the whole James Demore controversy happened. But one thing I've noticed in terms of the culture, shifted more and more towards a victimhood culture. 
in the victimhood culture, what you do is you go to the authorities. Well, if you apply that victimhood culture in the context of a corporation, who are the authorities in the corporation? They're HR. So even like minor and trivial offenses can get you report to HR. I know there was one example where someone was reported to HR because he shared an article from the National Review. Wow. Was that person disciplined? In that case, that person wasn't disciplined, but I can think of other examples, including my own, where you get disciplined for saying the most innocuous things. I'm looking at the news this week, and there are Google employees who are protesting the inclusion of Google in a gay pride event because they're arguing that Google doesn't do enough to promote gay rights. It strikes me that it's probably the opposite situation. It sounds like Google is very supportive of LGBT rights, but maybe nothing is enough for some constituencies. Yeah, that definitely does seem to be the case. I mean, the heart of this complaint is that Google is not cracking down enough on Stephen Crowder. That's one of the big things. Sorry, can you tell our listeners who that is? Stephen Crowder was a well-known conservative personality. So in their mind, it's not enough that Google promotes culture, which is kind of inclusive and accepting towards LGBT employees. They need to, they want Google to go and enforce their norms when it comes to content moderation. There's someone, uh, Stephen Crowder, who they determined to be hateful or hurtful to the LGBT community. They want YouTube to censor him. They want YouTube to demonetize him. And if Google doesn't give in to the demands, well, then the argument is that Google doesn't care about diversity and inclusion. Do you feel some measure of sympathy or at least empathy for the people who run Google, that they've got this workforce that just seems so hard line when it comes to these issues? Even when Google decided it was one to be a sponsor of CPAC, which is a major political conference back in 2018, that got employees upset. And even a few employees who left, they even decided Google's decision to sponsor CPAC as like one of the reasons, or in some cases, the reason why they left. And so you can do something as innocuous as like sponsor conservative conference like CPAC. And just to be clear, like Google sponsors conferences across the entire political spectrum. It's not just CPAC. They sponsor liberal and conservative conferences. But every time they sponsor a conservative conference or even even when they sponsor LibertyCon, you have activists who get angry about this. And in some cases, if they don't get their way, they threaten to leave the company. So it definitely does put Google in a bind in that way. And I am a little bit sympathetic to them in that respect, because they have to deal with all this. We had an article in Quillette a couple of months ago from somebody who was a, a manager at Facebook and described a lot of the same things you're talking about. Why is the political culture within these organizations seems almost like an extension of uh, social justice culture on social media? Why? What is it about these environments that attract that kind of monolithic culture? That's an interesting question. I haven't, like I've been spent most of my time dealing with this culture. I haven't really been able to step back and kind of figure out why is, is it that way? I do kind of have one theory is that Google's culture in particular has been very similar to the culture of academia. And you have to think, imagine what academia was back in the mid 1990s, back when Larry and Sergey started the company. That's The culture in academia was very different back then compared to what it was now. So in some ways, Google's similarities to academia was probably an asset to them in the early days of the company, but kind of as college campuses have kind of become uh, a little bit of a circus, that circus atmosphere has kind of spread to Google, which has a very similar culture in many ways. In fact, I was watching this talk by Jonathan Hyde on YouTube once, and the title of it is Two Incompatible Sacred Values 
in American universities. And he's talking about a lot of these kind of negative trends that have happened on college campuses. And I want to say this, that back in early 2017, I was watching this talk, and it was ostensibly about college campuses. But every time I would hear Jonathan Haidt say this, I'm like, wait, is he talking about a college campus or is he talking about Google? Because the exact same thing is happening here. The similarities were astonishing. Is it that Google employees are just hyper-educated, very smart they went to some of these elite universities, and they're basically bringing the culture of those campuses onto Google's campus. They're retaining all the same social media relationships they had from college. So maybe their time at Google is just kind of an extension of their senior year in college? Yeah, there was this article from Andrew Sullivan that says, we all live on college campus now. And Google is the place where that's more true than any other place. There was one point where Hyatt was talking about where he was talking about when students have their core convictions challenged. They kind of say things like, you are invalidating my existence, or this speech is a form of violence. And I was looking at kind of the outrage mob against Kay Colt James, who was the president of the, Fa- the Heritage Foundation, which is a mainstream conservative group. Just like looking at a lot of things that these employees were saying about her, and they kind of match exactly what I was talking about. There was people talking about how her words were a form of rhetorical violence, and that leads to real violence against people. There was people talking about how she's erasing the trans community. Very similar to kind of that, that phrase, you are invalidating my existence. They just felt that just by allowing her to have be one of eight members of this external AI advisory board, that that was invalidating the existence of the LGBT community. Has any of this affected Google's profitability, or can they kind of just do what they want because they're so big? That's a very interesting question. I don't know enough to kind of give you a really good answer to that question, but it does seem with Google, with kind of the power it has, the market share it has, it's kind of more impervious to these forces. Like you think about something that happened on Evergreen State College, that made Evergreen State College look very bad. But you have to think about, like after that happened, their enrollment dropped and they had few students and now they're having to make budget cuts because of everything that happened at Evergreen State. So in that case, it seems like the market is working. There is some sort of market correction for all the antics that happened at Evergreen. Whereas it feels like with these big tech companies, whether it's Google or Facebook or Twitter, they can make mistakes that are just as bad, even worse than what's happening in Evergreen. And the market just won't correct for some reason. There won't be any sort of market correction for that. What are you doing now? Uh, Right now, I'm just taking some time off. I'll eventually get back and do some software engineering work again, find a new job. Like I'm just kind of a little bit tempted to go and, I don't know, work for a company that makes widgets because there's nothing political about widget making. And you can kind of keep your politics away. Like if you're at, a, I don't know, say a tech company that just makes semiconductors, I think it's very easy to say, hey, just keep politics out of the workplace. And actually, there's a lot of good reasons to do it in that case. Google is very different in that respect because it's dealing with issues like hate speech, fake news, content moderation. So you actually do need political diversity at Google and at Facebook and at Twitter in a way that you don't need it at a company which, say, makes semiconductors. Part of my think is, well, let's just go to a company where these issues don't come up in the course of making our products. The consequence of that, if everyone makes the same decision, is that people with diverse political views will be out making widgets and semiconductors and whatnot, whereas places like Facebook and Google and Twitter will be run by people who have perhaps a more explicit social justice agenda. But those are the websites that guide the overall conversation online, right? So that could further some of the trends we're talking about, right? Exactly. And that's what I want to say is on the one hand, I want to tell people, hey, go into these tech companies, can provide some viewpoint diversity, provide some alternative viewpoints. 
one part of me wants to say that. Another part of me knows that when I ask people to do that, I'm asking them to risk their careers. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Certainly. If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette. If you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do you like what you're hearing? Perhaps you would like to read more about the issues in today's discussion. Head to quillette.com where you will find more content.